0: The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Well, tomorrow is Halloween, a holiday whose popularity I've never quite understood Right now, I'm out in Rimrock, Arizona, just south of Sedona, and last Saturday, I got invited to a cookout. Turns out, it was a costume party, and there they were, all ghosts and zombies dancing to the music and having a wonderful time. The same weekend, my neighbor, Janice Goff, and I watched the film, Talking to Heaven. Um, It's the story of uh, James Von Prague's difficult maturing into an acceptance of his own psychic abilities. It's a powerful film, and I recommend it to you. For those of you who don't know of James Von Prague, his website tells us he has brought a mindful awareness to the subject of communication with the dead into the public psyche for the past 30 years. The movie concerns tracking down a serial killer and describes how difficult and tragic some mediumship encounters can be. After the movie, Janice told me of a similar experience she'd had many years ago. Uh, so by way of reintroduction, today's guest, Janice Goff, is a gifted spiritual experiencer who's been on NDE Radio several times before. On this program, she discusses James von Prague's story of psychic detective work, as told in the movie, and, uh, talking to heaven. And, uh, and we'll talk about a parallel experience she lived through many years ago. So Janice, welcome back to NDE Radio. Hey,
1: good morning, Lee.
0: Good morning. Janice, let's start with Van Prague's story um, and how reluctant he was to admit he had clairvoyant abilities. Why why do you think people are so nervous about having these skills?
1: Oh, my goodness. Is is that a loaded question? Um, (laughs) Gosh, you know, usually it's due to what I'm going to just simplify as peer pressure is what people think of you. You know, and quite often... um, Another reason that we've learned in the past few days is the PPSD. You know, it, it throws people back into a memory that gives them, um, nightmares, uh, un- mm. unresolved answers, you know, the whole thing. Um, it throws them back into a fear place.
0: Yeah. So, you, his, you know, his,
1: usually it's fear.
0: Yeah. Well, his, his Catholic background, according to the movie, got in the way for, for Von Prague, and you weren't raised Catholic, but did you have similar spiritual concerns at all?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. The, I think every religious structure has, um, parameters that we're expected to, um, modify ourselves to be a part of, and usually the religious parameters are not big enough to hold really weird or really off-the-scale, you know, experiences. The religion is kind of set up for a medium of um, experiences within a context. So if it's out of that context, you you know, you, you already know what you're going to be called. You already know the response of the people around you. And um, you know, like from my experience, being strict Southern Baptist, we've got the heaven and hell concept, so <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> that I think that religious structure is very uh confining to mm. experiences that are off scale or out of that you know out of that context
0: well you you started uh Experiencing at an early age, I think you said at the age of four, how old were you when you finally started talking to your family about about these things? Or did you ever? I,
1: no. No, it wasn't till probably, um, gosh, Daddy was getting ready to leave his body probably when I was sitting on the bed next to him and he was telling me, you know, I may not live through this operation and da 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 da. And this was at the end. Um, and I said, well, daddy, you know, missing you is not, I mean, I've lived in Arizona for so many years. I miss you. So missing Mm -hmm. you is not something I'm not familiar with. I'm, I live with that every day. I said, you know, but when you get to the other side, if you want to, you know, let me know everything's okay or, You know, you have something to tell me, I can hear you. And, um, you know, I said, Tell Aunt Willie hello, and I've appreciated her communications in the past and, you know, things like that. So I kind of opened it up with him right there. Mm. And then after he did leave his body, I had quite a few encounters with him, um, seeing him, hearing him, you know, that sort of thing mom as well after she left her body so um
0: i i, <clears throat> I um i would encourage the listeners to go to uh, the past shows that you and i have done in the in the past shows archive um to hear how many encounters you've had i think at one point we talked about how your dad had appeared in a photograph you took after um after yeah, he had that passed was like,
1: that was quite a few years later actually um, Wearing the same clothes mom still had hanging in the closet and his belt, you know, that, I mean, it was just way too, way vivid. Yeah. I immediately sent it to my sister when I found it on my, uh, chip on my camera and she just called me squalling, you know, it, it, it it was just very surreal for both of us.
0: Now, has your sister any gifts like yours? And, what does she think of your gifts?
1: Um, she she doesn't know if she does or not, and she's never talked about those, you know, seeing things or those sort of thing. Um, her gifts are totally in a another area. She she draws. She's um, she has a gift of presence, which is just incredible. Um, the most patient. Southern woman I've ever known in my life, you know, her gifts are totally in another area that we know
0: of. Yes. Uh, I wanted to talk about this, uh, the Von Prague film that we, that we watched, Talking to Heaven. On the back of the jacket it says, uh, d- in describing the story, um, in death seven young boys have appeared before James. Each of them has ties to another boy named Eddie who first came to James many years ago in search for help. When James turns to Detective Karen Condren to help him identify the children, they both embark on a remarkable journey toward solving the crime and helping the lost boys continue their path toward heaven. Now, you you told me that you'd had a similar experience um, many years ago. Maybe you could tell us about that. Yeah.
1: um, My goodness. I was asked to uh, see if I could help with, uh, there was a rash of fires and um, some murders and different things. And a friend of mine asked me, uh, because it was uh, church-related, if um, I could help. And I thought, well, you know, I'll see. I have no idea. I I never know what I can do or can't do. And um, so the next day I had kind of set my space up and, the boys were in school, you know. Husband's at work, you know. The whole thing. So I'm there by myself, and I I did open it up and ask if, um, you know, the person, if there was somebody that wanted to, to tell me something, you know. <laughs> 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 um, and it it was um, total chaos. It was it was the most horrifying thing i would ever done in my life. Um, All of a sudden, my kitchen is filled with all of these um, people who had been murdered, and they were maimed, cut up. Oh, it was just split open, heads cut off. It was blood and gore to the max. Um, And it was so horrific. I you just kind of think you're, you're gonna pass out. It was so bad, and mm. I, I got to the point with that, um, and I was so afraid. I was, there was oh, you're just shaking. I, you just don't know what to do with that kind of situation. Um, finally, I screamed out, "Help me! Just to help me!" And the whole scene sort of faded off and backed away. Um, And I learned a lot during that time. It was kind of like where we've talked in the past about a Ouija board, opening Mm -hmm. things up. Um, And I immediately, well, not immediately, but when I could get myself together, called the friend that had asked me if I could help. And I'm going through this whole scenario with her, and she said, Janice, all I'm hearing in your language is that you were not clear. You know, you were not specific. You were not clear. And she's right. I was not. And that was one thing I learned immediately in that whole experience is that when you, you know, when you're attempting or thinking about opening that door to that other realm, if you're not clear, you've just opened the, you've taken the screen off the window. All the mosquitoes are going to come in. Um, you've just got to be really, really clear in what you want because everybody out there has a story, everybody, and everybody wants to tell their story. The The memories are there. They're, they're very active. They're very alive. The memories are alive, and everybody needs something. There is all sorts of um, unresolved agendas, commitment, grief, unresolved life that people have left here as a memory on this earth. And if you connect into that and you're not clear, you can get hundreds of thousands of stuff in your face. Um, And with us in our body, we've got a brain that doesn't know how to organize all this. It's a bombardment that we can't handle in our body way too overwhelming so eventually the one person that was being looked for had been murdered and did show me where his body was that body was found and um, I I made the decision to never ever do that again because I was not mature enough to handle (coughs) what happened and like uh, him in the movie The compulsion, it's constant. It comes back over and over and over until you get all the information together. You've got to live with it. And like I said, you know, in our conversation, I had to go drive a school bus filled with 40 kids. And you can't be living in one life and do your daily life here on earth when you've got all this going on. You, you, You just can't. Your emotions, our our emotions, our heart, our brain, and our mind is not big enough to handle the conflict that happens when you've got to do business, um, take care of elderly, uh, go teach at school. You will literally go crazy. You can't you can't balance all that out. So you you really have to be clear. You really have to know what you're doing, and just you know, make make plans to do one or the other.
0: Mm. <clears throat> Some mediums um, claim to have a guide on the other side, uh, somebody that they can contact. Have you ever had that experience?
1: No, I I never thought uh, for myself. You know, I've heard every, you know people say, "Oh, you've got guardian angels, you've got this and that." I I don't know that for myself. I, I don't know that. I do know that I've got, quote, friends in high places that don't <laughs> have a body that I, I talk to once in a while. And, you know, some of the saints are one of those. Um, but as far as somebody that kind of regulates all this, I, I've kind of doubt of participating in that whole uh, communication thing for a lot of reasons. But um, I don't. I think they'd be smart <laughs> to have a gate to have a gatekeeper you know that kind of uh, filtered out and helped you be clear with you know those sort of intents and communication
0: yeah. um in in von Prague's story, he was haunted by one little boy with his hands bound. The spirit of this little boy kept appearing to him when he was least expecting it and uh as you say totally distracting him from what he was supposed to be doing um although that finally persuaded him he he did have to help solve the crime you um you and i had a conversation after the movie about um what what are the nature of these apparitions are they are they the are the souls of the victims or the souls of the murdered people still clinging to uh to this earthly realm are they actually souls stuck where they are or is it um is it more uh, a memory or a, uh, a vibration that has continued long after their souls have gone on to somewhere else
1: wow so there's sort of two um two ways to think about this that i can see and understand and that i've heard people's experiences and their uh, their way of describing the world on the other side so we can think of them as people as ghosts people who do not have a body anymore and these people have um, the unresolved agendas commitments, grief unresolved life and things that they want uh, that that are still alive those agendas and commitments are still alive and real just like they are for us in our own body when we have things that we have to do, mysteries to solve, all of those things. Um, Or the other side is that all of that is energy. Now, that definition is a little bit difficult for me, but everything we do creates and leaves an imprint. So I can walk on the earth or in someone's house and I can feel the imprint that was left from an experience and that imprint is energy. My brain translates it into a story, oh somebody died here, oh somebody was hung herself self here, um, you know, my brain will translate what I'm experiencing into something that I can understand and I translate it the best I can. And that's due to the way I see my world and the filters I use in my world to come up with the story. That story might be truly that I'm translating. It might not be true, but I'm also creating what I'm seeing. So if I start voicing, Oh, someone died here then I began to see more of the imprint someone lying in a bed someone being injured, whatever and I put a story together um we're eternal beings you can't get rid of us so what does that mean? that means that it doesn't matter if we have a body to live in we're still alive well how are we alive? it's energy so the the, um It kind of gets way too big for me but Mm. I translate what's imprinted and what's left by an experience and because we're in this 3D body in this 3D world we have to give those experiences bodies in relation to someone else's experience so he could have been working out of the side where people say well they're ghosts, they're stuck you know they died, they're still walking the earth sort of thing or he could have been working out of the experience of it's all energy it's been imprinted, this is unresolved energy that needs to be organized in some way to either help someone or project it on Into another area, and I don't know that it matters how we think about it either way. Those things happen, Hmm. and if we're if we're involved in it, we're going to play out of one side or the other, and it depends on what our brain can handle. And it's not our mind; it's our brain. What can our brain? What can we or what information can we organize to make sense out of this? So that we can participate in resolving what's here it's just like uh, when the priests come in and do a blessing on the house they're organizing energy in a way that now is um, supportive of the new energy or the new bodies or the new families that are going to be living here. so I I'm not sure that it matters which way you think about it there's a lot written I'm quite sure I I haven't read much on either of those. We just hear the story. If I was a scientist, I might be able to explain this in an energetic way a little better, but I'm not. I just don't have, you know, the understanding to put the correct language to all of this stuff. But, um, you know, we'll work the rest of our days trying to figure all this out. Yeah.
0: I wonder if uh, forgiveness is an element that would uh, discharge some of the energy that uh, the, the, these visions have have accumulated, and maybe it's our forgiveness, maybe it's um, uh, God's forgiveness. I've heard the theory that uh, when God forgives something, it in effect disappears; that it is that is taken away. A forgiveness from God is a is a Almost uh, um, the crime itself or the, or the error itself is no longer existing in, in that energy field. And maybe um, maybe forgiveness and love direct um, – well, many years ago I knew a group of Quakers who would go p- to places that, they, that were called haunted and pray for the spirits to go into the light. And one particularly painful spot was where a horse barn had burned down and the spirits of the horses were still crying out. And the, the Quakers felt they were able to even help the horses in in, by, in their prayers.
1: Yeah, um, you know, forgiveness and love, I think they're probably two of the most powerful elements we have on earth. Forgiveness to me, and, and love, but forgiveness is when you bring... Um, when you finally hit the bottom and you bring, um, bring that event or, you know, whatever you want to call it to God and, and you're right, it can't exist in the negative element in the presence of God. What happens is if God is in and through all things, He's around about all things. He is everything, even the negative. Is a positive, but for us on earth, the negative is not a supportive. So we bring that to God, and then that is turned around and brought into a supportive light where we can experience forgiveness and love. Um, NLP does that, neuro linguistic programming. You go to a practitioner, they, you they walk you back through the story and then they help you reorganize that story and change the language in your mind, in your brain, so that it now makes total sense and you forgive and you love. You come away with a total different per- per- you know, perception on this whole event. Um, so we can do that within ourselves. And I feel like that that is one way of tapping into the God that is within us and reorganizing all of this so that we can be supportive and be more powerful and live out um, a more productive, supportive life for ourselves and everyone else. Love and forgiveness is definitely, you know, the key. I remember one time... um, uh, being on a ruin here in Arizona and spending the night out there and had these, um, did you ever see that movie Mummy where the uh, skeletons come up out of the ground and they oh, I,
0: I in war,
1: so. they're, they're coming out by the thousands, I had that experience where skeletons came up out of the ground and surrounded me and it was another time, I had not asked for that it was another time that um, I cried out for help, <laughs> mm-hmm. and had um, one of uh, an older man that I kn- knew in Wyoming came and said, "Tell them the wonderful things that they've done in their life. Tell them what they've done with their hands, the people's lives that they've touched." And I began doing that to each one of those skeletons. And as I did, that skeleton went away. And it was like an acknowledgement of myself, of recognizing all the things in my life that I had done. And instead of just looking at all the negative and the non-supportive things, the things that keep me stuck in my own inferiority and fears, As as I was acknowledging to them the things that they had done, I'm recalling things up out of my own life, and of course they had done the same thing because we're people do what people have always done. We do the same thing. We help our neighbors. We we love our children. Um, Even the most cruellest person does something wonderful, and. You know, recalling and bringing those up, I began to forgive myself and love myself in a whole different light. So by him helping those children in that movie and the way it ended was he totally brought that mother back around to forgiveness and love. And Mm -hmm. she was able to release herself from the memory of identity she had placed on that child. She always said he was so lonely. She gave him an identity, and that wasn't the only identity that boy had, but that was the only thing she got stuck on was what he needed in in the way she saw him. But he was more than that. She just never saw that. She compulsively got stuck, and so after he died, she was compulsively stuck, and doing the best she could to figure out how to remedy and resolve that so he really did a great service for her in releasing all of that the whole thing now, yes
0: she's that last on scene the where the boys are the spirits of the boys are surrounding her and and she's crying
1: yeah uh, yeah that was
0: totally you know uh, beautiful. One of the uh one of the things people talk about when they've had a near death experience is they go through a life review where they uh, see their life pass before their eyes but they experience it as the person they were affecting at the time that if they were hurting someone or helping someone they they get to feel feel what their deeds uh accomplished through the other person's eyes. We probably those of us who have not undergone a life review in a near-death experience c- could have that done for them by somebody, uh, even before they get there, you know, and thinking of your skeletons, you were giving them, in a way, a life review that could help them to move on.
1: Yeah, I, you know, Lee, the, this part of the conversation reminds me one more time how complex we are, as human beings and as spirits, the whole thing is so complex. There's not one way or one recipe, you know, somebody can say, this is how it is. No, it's, this is how it is. Many, many, many ways. There is many things out there. Um, and all we have to do is look at our own life and the complexities to know what's out there. It's still the same because we've yeah. created it.
0: Yeah. Well, Janice, I think we have run our half hour, and that's all we have time for today. But thank you so much. Um, my thanks to our guest, uh, Janice Goff, for once again sharing her insights with us. Uh, if you'd like to listen to this show again or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org. For information on IANS, check out their website at iands.org. And join us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is Lee Whitting saying, please enjoy a mindful Halloween, and thanks for listening.